When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Save big on Brunch for Mom, all in the Kroger app. Get half gallons of delicious Kroger milk for $1.29 each. Then get flavorful Tyson Natural Boneless Chicken Breasts for two forty nine dollars a pound, all with your card and a digital coupon. Shop these deals at your local Kroger, less than five miles away. Or tap the screen now to download the Kroger app to save big today. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Prices and product availability subject to change. Restrictions apply. See site for details. What is going on, everybody? Welcome back to the No Bad Dogs podcast with your host, Moa, Tom Davis. This is a great podcast. This is an individual, um, you know, that we had to be, I had to be a little bit blunt with and, and honest with up front. Just say, hey, look, these are unrealistic goals. These things are not even fair to ask. And um, so these these are just a dog owner dealing with very natural things. So we have a, a younger Corso dealing with Corso stuff. So we talk about, hey, what's fair, what's not fair. We also talk about uh, in- introducing the e-collar properly and, and how to condition it and how to make sure your dog is actually responding to it. So we go over some really good points here and we kind of maneuver and navigate through what's what's fair and what's okay for your dog to do and, and having that uh, unrealistic expectation and how to back down off of that. So great podcast. I really enjoyed it. Um, if you guys want to work with me, just like you hear, uh, I haven't ever really plugged this, but if you guys are interested in working with me, like you hear on the podcast, all you have to do is, is go to my website I'll link it below and you guys can book a one hour session with me. Cause that's what you guys are hearing is you're just hearing me consult with dog owners, um, as well as having guests on and hosts and things like that. But, um, I'll leave that down below cause we had some questions about that. Other exciting news is we have officially launched our seminar with Forrest Mickey coming in May. I'm super, super stoked about this. Uh, Forrest, for those of you who don't know, is is primarily focuses on competitive healing. Some of you might recognize the name from the Learberg videos as well as uh, he's an instructor at Michael Ellis' school. Him and Michael have been friends and been training with each other for a long time now. So you may recognize the name from the Learberg gang. Uh, Forrest is a friend of mine. And uh, we've been friends for a while, and we're finally getting together to do a seminar. Now, this is big because uh, for those of you who are going to be attending the seminar, there's going to be working spots and audit spots available to bring your dog and to just watch. And the link in the description below gives you all the information. But for those of you who are interested, I mean, this is going to be two dog professionals coming from both ends of the spectrum of behavior and obedience and relationship building and working on your dog or working on somebody else's dog that you guys are watching in the same room. So it's going to be packed with information. It's going to be epic. Um, who knows if we'll ever do it again or when we'll do it again, but I know it's going to be special. Um, Forrest lives in Oregon. I live in New York. Um, getting together is, is difficult on a friendship level, uh, let alone working together. I'm super excited about it. It's going to be special as hell. I uh, hope you guys can come out. Link it in the description below, but just so you guys also know, I am doing a tour uh, this fall as well. So I'm going to be doing a U.S. tour. So don't worry if you can't make it. Um, hopefully we'll see you this fall on the tour. Anyway, let's get into the podcast and uh, enjoy. At the end, I'm going to be answering three to four more of your questions that you leave in the reviews. If you want me to answer your specific question, all you guys have to do is go to the iTunes review column, leave your review and your question within there. 
How are you? How are you doing? I am doing well. Awesome. That's great. I um I had sent you over a video. So a couple things. I've got a nine and a half month old Caney Corso. Um my previous dogs are English Mastiffs, so I'm I'm used to a large breed, but I'm used to kind of a marshmallowy large breed, not a uh, mm-hmm. land land shark, mm-hmm. uh, large breed. And so, um, I've got her in training. She's gone through AKC puppy class. She's done beginning obedience. We just started our intermediate obedience class. Uh, so I feel like I'm doing some of the necessary things, but I'm still having some, some underlying issues with her. Um, she growls at the vet techs at the vet's office. Um, uh, when they go to touch her, she just, she doesn't, she doesn't like it. Um, but when we're at class, um, she's totally fine. She does not, I wouldn't call it aggressive towards people. I would call it reactive. Okay. Um, so I'm trying to figure out what I can do, how I can help her, how I can become a better uh, dog owner as it relates to her. Um, and get her the the interaction and support and training and education not only for myself um you know but for for her as well um and so that's kind of some of our main um issues i did um purchase an e-collar i purchased the 280c um but i don't know that that's the proper tool for some of the things that were that we're dealing with. Mm-hmm. Okay. Can you, can you say how, how old she is again? She's nine and a half months. Okay. So is she fixed? She is not spayed yet. No. Okay. So yeah, I mean the e-collar is just a tool. So it's kind of like, Hey, I'm building a house. Should I have a screwdriver? Like, yeah, sure. It's going right. to help for sure. So the e-collar is just a tool. So I think right now, you know, you're dealing with very normal things for a kind of Corso. You're dealing with very normal things for an intact, um, female at this age. She's starting to become who she is. Um, mm-hmm. it's definitely a thing that we see every hour here. It's almost something that we talk about every other, uh, session. And so, you know, there's going to be some natural things that are going to be happening considering, again, the breed and the age and all the other things that you're dealing with, especially growling at the vet tech. That that doesn't surprise me at all. It's not appropriate and we don't like it and it is definitely uncomfortable for probably her. Um, mm-hmm. But, you know, when we talk about the vet offices and we in, in these conversations of, hey, I bring my dog to the vet twice a year and they get poked and prodded and touched and the people, to be honest with you, in my experience, there's a lot of veterinarian clinics that just aren't good with dogs and as crazy as that sounds um you have right. a, you have a lot of science and medicine being thrown around um they're there to fix the problem not necessarily be good at handling and not being good at watching for body language stuff the majority of veterinarians do not have any any background in behavior very mm-hmm. little background if any most of them don't have any and so, you know, dealing with puppies and dealing with cute, friendly dogs is is their bread and butter, and which is what they want to see. Um, right. But you know, dealing with a, a kind of a nine and a half year old or nine and nine, almost a year old Connie Corso, big girl uh, coming in and being a little bit suspicious and not taking to some of the vet clinic people and some of the vet techs as as easy as maybe some of the other puppies is it makes sense to me. I, I don't see that as like wow, I- that's. That's, well, that's crazy, right? Go ahead. Yeah, because she doesn't, like, she doesn't growl at the vet 
her herself. Um, you know, she did like on our first couple visits, but mm-hmm. now she's kind of gotten used to the vet. It just depends on, you know, the, the vet tech is, is where our issues, like I took her to the vet yesterday. Yeah. Um, and they had to draw blood, which was a bit of a challenge. Right. Yeah. And, and it's, and I think it's a bit of a challenge for any dog. Hey, come in yeah. and let me stick you with a needle. This is a bit of a challenge for right. people, right? Right. So again, you know, what do you, what can you do? I mean, right. what do you want to say? Hey, hey, just sit still. No way. Nope. Right. So what, what, what would you want to happen? What, what's your goal there? Uh, you know, my goal is to just, I mean, number one, I don't want her to be afraid to go to the vet, but I don't know that that's necessarily what we're dealing with. Um, uh, I, I just, I want her to be able to, um, I don't know, feel comfortable, which I don't know if that's even going to be possible. Um, but you know, the growling, I, I would, I really want the growling to stop. I just don't know how to stop, stop it. It's this low, just right. growl. Sure. Um, well- but she doesn't snap. She doesn't bite. She doesn't, she doesn't do any of that. She let them draw the blood. We didn't have any issues. It's just, I know that the vet tech felt super uncomfortable. Well, she's a pretty menacing looking animal. Sure. Um, and so, um, I don't want anybody to be uncomfortable. I don't know that that's a viable goal it's not to reach nope it's not okay because it, realistically it's hey i have a i have a nine and a nine and nine and a half nine and nine month old uh, kind of corso that is making a vet tech uncomfortable because they are sticking this dog with a needle mm-hmm. to have the expectations of this dog to be friendly and not care is not realistic or fair okay So then my question would be, how do I, as her owner, how do I deal with it? Can I attempt to correct the behavior? If I can, how do I do that? Um, Sure. There's where do I go? Well, a couple of different things is like you said, she's not biting. She's not lashing out. She's not snapping. She's she's just growling. So she's Mm -hmm. literally saying I'm uncomfortable. Right. And so for us to punish and correct a dog for saying or vocalizing mm-hmm. that they're uncomfortable because they're getting stuck with a needle again is not realistic or fair. Mm-hmm. Like, so you're not going to sit there and come down with like, yeah, yeah, you better be okay with this dog. Don't you dare be upset about this needle entering you. That's just not going right. to happen. And it's, you're just, you're chasing, you know, something that's going to be unrealistic. And again, like I totally understand there's, I have to play devil's advocate, right? I'm a dog person. Mm-hmm. I, I understand dogs more than most people. Right. And so, but I also understand being a dog owner and understanding the uncomfortability and the empathy that we share for the vet tech that's getting growled at by a large dog. I totally get it. Right. And I'm not saying like, Hey, deal with it. Right. But I am saying as a professional, realistically, a dog growling is the very minimum other than running away, which they can't because they're stuck in a room other than running away. It's the bare minimum of them telling whoever's around that they're uncomfortable. And the fact mm-hmm. that she's making a decision to not lash and you should be, I mean, and again, it's my job. That's why we're on the phone is to tell you th- what's going on. And there's a lot of people that would give anything in the world to give what you got, which is, oh, your dog's just growling. That's great because my dog just bit three people and now we're in a lawsuit and I'm about to put our dog down. Right. So right. Th- th- there's, you can't. Again, you bring a dog in, they are telling you very naturally, and 
to to be fair to the dog, it's also a a very. I talk about this a lot in different behaviors, but it's it's also something that the dog doesn't even know that they're doing, right? So they're just mm-hmm. doing it because they're nervous. And again, if you, it, it's natural for a vet. It, hell, it's natural for anybody to get a little right. insecure when a when a giant dog is growling at you as they're sticking them with a needle and you have to touch them. But again, it's right. like find a different vet. Like, I, I don't think anybody's going to, there's going to be some, like I, I, I've worked with some groomers and I've worked with some vets that would, that would make that laugh. Oh yeah, I know you're upset. I know almost done. Okay. There you go. Off you go. And there's going to be some mm-hmm. vet techs that are like, Oh God, is she going to, are you going to, are you watching? Right. Right. But, but that's the comfort of that vet tech. It's the experience of that vet cat. Vet tech. Yeah. It's the same thing as a trainer. How many times have has somebody come into my facility and said, my other trainer said this, and then within 30 seconds, three minutes, 30 minutes, boom. It's the the unthinkable for other people is something mm-hmm. that I've I've just done. And and so, you know, just being realistic about it is is you're not gonna be able to to do two things. You're not gonna be able to tell the vet tech that she needs to start to get comfortable with dogs growling at her as she's poking dogs with needles. That's, that's something that's going to happen. So maybe she should find a different job or, right. <laughs> or again, like as a, as a dog, your dog is saying, Hey, I'm uncomfortable. That's the first step of, of kind of reacting into, into being a little bit more assertive with now I'm going to bite you. Your dog is making a decision to say, Hey, I'm uncomfortable with this, but I'm not going to hurt you. I'm not going to try to fight you. And I'm not going to try to bite you, which again, mm-hmm. some people I talk to would give anything to, to, Oh, your dog's growling. That's like Christmas morning to some of these people as their dog can't even go to the vet because of severe issues. Right. Okay. So just putting things into perspective for you as a macro of somebody who understands, you know, what's going on. Totally understand what you're saying. Man, it'd be really nice. Hey, uh, what's your dog's name? Her name is Dora. Dora. So it'd be like, hey, Dora, um, we're going to go into a a vet clinic and they're going to poke you with a bunch of shit. Like, Right. Love it. And I just need you to just sit there and <laughs> yeah. be okay with it. <laughs> right. Right. So it's, it's, you know, the way that as I'm trying to relay this to you as a dog owner, like I said, things could mm-hmm. be a lot worse. And I think you should just say, Hey, li- listen, I know this is going to be uncomfortable, but historically speaking, she hasn't done anything. She's not going to be comfortable with you doing this. The only other thing which you guys have probably already done, the only other thing that could add an extra layer of maybe comfort for these people is, is muzzle conditioning your dog before you bring them, bring her in mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. because then if she's muzzled, but I just think that if a human being is going to be poking animals with needles, they're going to have to get used to dogs trying to go after them and trying to bite. I've seen, right. you know, I've seen pretty nasty attacks at the vet office. And the fact that your dog door is just growling is I think an advantage considering the breed and considering what's going on. Yeah. Okay. Okay. Um, okay. So second, um, second thing. So she is hawk-eyed focused on anything that she is unfamiliar with. Um, there's nothing I can do, nothing I can say outside of trying to drag her away from whatever that is. Mm-hmm. So as an example, we're outside, we're on a 15 acre farm. I got goats, I got chickens. Um, but then again, we also have deer, elk, bear, and cougar that mm. cross our property. And so she is a, I see a crow flying in the sky. I am taken off after the crow that's flying in the sky, even though I know I can't mm-hmm. get it. 
Um, and outside of, uh, just hoping that she doesn't run out. Now the majority of our property is fenced in. Mm -hmm. And so I've got that as somewhat of a comfort. Um, but I can't get her to break focus on something. She does it when we are at dog class. Like if somebody walks in late, Mm -hmm. um, she gets this eye piercing and she is focused on, on that person. And I try to redirect. That's what we end up doing is we redirect, we walk the other way, but she constantly is turning her head because she wants to know or see whatever, whatever that thing is. Um, and so I'm, I don't know if e-collar training is appropriate for that. If there's more work that I need to do without the e-collar to get her, um, but I can't get her to come back for nothing when we're out on, on the property. Mm -hmm. Totally understand. And I think it relates to what we were talking about before, you know, kind of courses in general, being a mastiff, they are guardianship type protecting type dogs. People use yep, them. Which is the reason that we got her based off of where we live, our environment. Right. Um, and so I don't want to do anything that's going to kind of train that out of her, but I'm also terrified. Mm -hmm. that she's going to run off somewhere. We do have a road. It is a dirt road. We live on a dead end. So there's not a ton of traffic that's on it, but a car goes by and she will chase that car and she will run it down the fence line. Mm -hmm. Yep. So it would be more of a focus on obedience, recall mainly, instead of a, a questioning why these things are happening, right? So same thing with mm -hmm. the, the growling as they're getting uh, a shot. We have a right. mastiff that lives on a piece of property that has natural predators and um, other things, birds, chipmunks, squirrels, deer, et cetera, that are on the property. And it'd be weird if she looked at these things and didn't care, right? I think we'd be like, okay, right. what's going on here? Um, so, right. so again, it wouldn't be, like you said, like we're not going to train that out of her or even discourage her for being suspicious. Although um, I think with a lot of dog owners and dog breeds in general, not just the Corsos, let's take like a golden retriever, right? They want to, they want to go and, and, and chase things as well, or a terrier. They want to go and chase things as well. And these are normal things, right? Your dog mm -hmm. is fence, fence lining, uh, these things that are going by just out of either boredom or obsession over movement. And of course, again, going into a group setting, she's like, Oh, okay. I'm okay. I'm okay with all you people. We're hanging out. And then boom, somebody enters the room and she's suspicious. She wants to check their ID. She wants to know who it is. What, what are they doing? Uh, right. again, makes, makes sense. And same thing when you're out in your property, if she sees something that like ex you said it perfectly, as soon as something else enters the picture, she focuses on it. And that's, you know, that's genetically wired in her. That's her job. Mm -hmm. Right. Know, like I said, I think it would be weird if that happened, you know, somebody walked onto your property uninvited and she just kind of rolled over. You'd be like, what the hell? This thing's broken. <laughs> so, right. so exactly what you were saying, you kind of have the ideas is the most important thing is, is your obedience to counter some of these more prim primal, primitive, natural behaviors that she's going to have being a Corso. So mm -hmm. the recall, exactly what you're talking about is if you have property and she's going to be roaming this property, especially if there's going to be wildlife that are bigger, better, and stronger than her, uh, the e-collar the e is going to be not only life-saving, but it's also just going to make her, you basically, you need, you need an option to tell her to stand down. Thank you for letting me know somebody's here or something is here. Stand down. I got it. And that's what the e-collar will allow you to do 
especially when she's off leash. So really the question comes down to, I have an off leash dog that isn't responsive to my recall because the currency or the distraction is more valuable. And so there's two things is training off. You have to have some sort of reinforcement for dogs because they don't understand English. So when you say door come or door here or whatever you say, when she's interested in something else and she doesn't listen, which from my understanding so far has been pretty consistent, then there there has to be some sort of reinforcement there. There has to be, there has to be something that, um, that goes into this to say like, Hey, no, when I, when I call you, I need you to, I need you to come back. Aren't you guys really quick to interrupt the podcast? If you guys haven't yet joined the official no bad dog members club, click the link below. If you guys like my YouTube channel or you like any of my content, you will love the members club. It's 1999 a month and you have access to unlimited stuff. If you guys watch my YouTube, you're going to see 20 minutes of a video that probably was recorded over two days. Now under those two days, you're going to, you're probably going to list you're probably going to miss a lot of the missing parts. So you're going to miss a lot of the connecting dots, the things that really connect things for people. So if you're interested in supporting the No Bad Dog Army on any circumstances, or you just want some more content and the best community on the internet for dogs, click the link below and join the official No Bad Dog Members Club. So, you know, I, I think, you know, that's that's really what you should be focusing on. So that's where we should dive into a little bit on the, your e-collar conditioning. Do you understand pretty good about the e-collar system and how it works yeah i feel i feel like i do i've poured over your videos over and over and over again introduction to an e-collar and and all of that so i feel fairly confident about that um and um i'm a little concerned about uh you know selecting a proper setting Um, so maybe if we can just, you can help me, you know, when do I know that it is on the proper setting for her where I'm not hurting her? I'm just using the stimulation to get her attention to focus. She does not focus on me. I can, you know, Dora, watch me, Dora, watch me. If she's focused on something else, I can Mm -hmm. put food in front of her face. She won't take the food. She ignores it. She ignores everything other than what it is that she is currently staring at. Yeah. And that makes total sense. And that's why a lot of dogs will fail if you're training with uh, a positive only approach of just using food to get the dog's attention. Because there's a lot mm-hmm. of dogs, especially working dogs, big mastiffs, yeah. shepherds, collies, et cetera, they don't care about that. And so I, I think it is important for you to to make sure that when you're when you're doing this and you're doing the introduction, you have the right equipment. So what 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 e collar do you have? I've got the two eighty C. Okay. Do you have my unit or do you have the, I've got your unit. Okay, perfect. So when you're doing this conditioning thing it is it really what you want to do. And we're developing a course on this actually this week, we're filming it. Really what you want to do is you want to, you're introducing this remote collar as a, as a conditioning stimulation. All it is, is it's letting the dog know that that stimulation that they're feeling at the low level, so it doesn't correct them, it doesn't hurt them, it doesn't stress them out, it does nothing. All they do is they feel it. It would be like poking the dog. You just take your finger and you tap the dog. They go, hey. Mm -hmm. They turn around, you're there, boom. That's essentially what you're doing with the remote collar. What's the benefit? Well, the benefit is, is if you can teach the dog that that low level stimulation is you, and the way that we do that is is basically annoying the dog with commands and pairing it together. We say sit. Mm-hmm. We so so we're never going to be introducing the e collar to a behavior that the dog doesn't know. So if the dog doesn't know recall, we can't use it. It's in, it's right. it's voided out. 
because the e-collar is an extension and a reinforcer long-term for us. So if the dog doesn't know the behavior and you're using the e-collar, oh, this thing isn't working. No, 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 no. You, your dog has to know what you're asking first. And people make that right. mistake because they put the e-collar on and they just assume the dog's going to listen. And that's not the case. That, that's not what the e-collar is for. The e-collar is to reinforce behaviors that they know well. And there's nothing else in the world on the planet that can reinforce behaviors off leash other than the remote collar. So when we're talking about cougars, bears, m- moose, uh, what people, farmers, guns, right. we're talking when your dog does decide to be a dog and take off after something and they're going into very uncharted, dangerous territories, i.e. Ca- uh, cars or again, hunters or again, wolves or whatever, you know, whatever, Right. you have to make sure that you can reach out and touch your dog. So that's kind of the principles of the remote collar training. So what you should do in the beginning is, is ask yourself, okay, what am I going to be using this for Dora long-term? And it's going to be, oh, I want to make sure that when I tell her to come back, that she listens. And she's there is going to be some compulsion here. Compulsion essentially is forcing the dog to do something that they don't want to. But there's And suppression. There's there's compulsion training in, in a lot of ways of life, right? Like we want to stay up until 3 in the morning and, and binge a certain show. But we can't because we got well, to wake up, right? There's certain things that we do that uh, has compulsion and has suppression. But the most important thing, again, is you, you don't want to go out and say, okay, she doesn't know the collar. She doesn't know recall that well. Let's put them together and see how it works. So in the beginning, you just have to audit your training and say, does she actually know what recall is? So when you say door come, does she know what that is? And if mm-hmm. how, how much work have you done with that? I work on it every day. So if we hmm. are inside the house, um, she does, she does, pretty good. She, you know, I, I, I know that she understands what I'm asking her to do because she'll sit there and she'll stare at me for a second. And then I say it again, Dora come. And then she's like, Oh yeah. Okay. I guess I'll do that. And then she, you know, meanders her way on over. Um, and so, and we work on it, um, with her training class, she's in classes once a week. And that's one of the things that we work on in class. I go to the end of a 15 foot lead Dora stay I mm-hmm. walk away I go to the end of the leash Dora come and and she will come to me uh, so I know she gets it mm-hmm. it's just any distraction or anything that she is not comfortable with it it doesn't happen right and that's where that that's where that reinforcement comes in so essentially it's like make me or what are you going to do right. about it which is historic. Yeah historic as you know with mastiffs they're like yeah do i have to you know and it's like come on get out of the way move you know and i get it you know so 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 that's what again exactly that's it is what what type of reinforcement are you going to do so going back to what you were saying i'm so happy that you've already introduced the recall but when you ask a dog to say you know door come and that second look is do I have to? That's typically what that is. Is like, are you sure? Mm-hmm. Are you positive? Do I? Ha- so, so again, when you're training, so uh, okay, sounds like she knows it. Sounds like you've done it right by doing it uh, inside first and not overwhelming her by going outside with all the huge distractions. So, what you want to do is you put you put your e collar on. Realistically, you want to put it on a week before you start training. So, put it on today. Slap that sucker on. I would put it, if you can, leave it on for a couple of days before you start training because you don't want to associate the collar with anything necessarily other than yourself at some point. So you don't want to put it on 
train with it, take it off. You want to leave, okay. you want to, especially it sounds like you got some property and she's going to be in, she's going to be out. You want to make mm-hmm. sure that it's on her because that's your reinforcement because let's be realistic with each other that no matter how much our dogs love us and no matter how good their obedience is, there's going to be certain times where they're going to choose the deer or whatever right. than us. And just to give you some, some reference to that, there's, there's friends and colleagues of mine that spend literally the dog's entire life training for competitive stuff. So, you know, bite work stuff, competitive obedience, things like that. They train their whole life. Literally every weekend they go to club and they train and they train and they train and they train for tests. They test for trials. And the reason why they test is because dogs instinctually will override what they know sometimes. And that's just freaking reality. Right. Right. And these are people who are training professionally almost every weekend with professional decoys with a well-bred genetically sound dog. And they're still failing sometimes because the dog is going to choose to go do what they want to do over recall. So I'm just giving you some context for that, that uh, this is a very natural thing that everybody deals with. And I think it's crazy to me that there's people out there that don't understand this, which tells me they don't understand dogs, but like you said, like if you get the treats out, well, if she sees a squirrel or a chipmunk or even a person coming under the property, the treat, what the hell is a treat going to mean to a Corso at that point? Yeah. Doesn't mean shit. Doesn't mean shit. <laughs> doesn't care about it at all. So, so, so what you're going to be doing in the beginning is put the e-collar on. Once you've done it for a couple of days, you're going to start low. So on your e-collar, you're going to have two different settings on the side. There's going to be, when you open the box and you get it, there's going to be uh, the nick, which is the top button on the side. And then yep. there's going to be a B right below that. Now the nick has some braille on it, if you will. It's got some, it got some bumps on it. So you know that that's the nick. Now the mm-hmm. nick, the nick, if you tap it just goes once boop. Now, if you hold the nick, it'll go boop, boop, It'll be consistent. It'll be a little bit more rhythmic than that. But, um, and, and so the bottom is the B, but the bottom is also your continuous. So the top button is your nick or your continuous nick. So the, so the bottom button is going to be your boost or your, your continuous. So let me explain. Cause I know that that's probably gibberish to you. If, okay. you. if you hold the top and even if you have an e-collar in your hand, you can see this happening with the light. If you hold mm-hmm. the, if you hold the nick button, it's going to be more like pop, 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 pop. Pop. It's going to be more like leash pressure, right? So okay. it's going to be popping. And then if you just tap it, it's just the nick. It just go, it stimul- It just goes one time. And then the bottom button, continuous, the difference between continuous and continuous nick is continuous is going to be a little bit more pop, 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 right? So it's going okay. to, it's going to be a little bit more. So it's a faster, it's yes. a faster pulse. That's right. Exactly. And okay. then, and then. Um, you can also use the B button, the bottom button as a boost, which means you can preset your, your levels to boost. So what's that mean? That means that your dog is going to do two things. It's going to understand conditioning, which means just how we're talking right now. We're, we're talking, we're conditioning. I'm not yelling. I'm not screaming because there's no urgency going on. There's no, oh shit button, right? Right. We're just talking, right? There's no planes going by. There's no distractions. There's no environmental stimulation. We're just talking. Right. Now, if a train were to go by or a plane goes by, I'm going to have to elevate I'm gonna, so you can hear me. So as, right. as our environments change, um, our communication is going to change. And with dogs, there's absolutely no difference. So when you're conditioning, it's like we're talking right now. It's going to be very low. It's going to be very controlled. It's going to be very calm. It's that let that collar that you have is 127 levels and the e-collar conditioning phases are historically for most dogs under 10. That means you're going to be 
conditioning the dog on a three to six, and you're going to be using the continue. You're going to be using the e-collar stimulation in the beginning with behaviors the dog knows well. So what we're going to do is we're going to put the e-collar on. We're going to say door sit. We're going to hold the. We're going to hold. I like using the continual nick, which is the top button. I like holding that because it, it kind of represents leash pressure. Bop, 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 yep. bop. Okay. So Dora sit. We hold the button at the same time as we ask. The dog puts their butt on the ground and we release the pressure. So what's okay. that do? Well, my dog already knows sit. So what the hell is the point? Great. But again, the e-collar is starting to, to fold into this. They're going to go, Hey, I wonder what that was. For the first time, they're going to go, oh, I wonder what that was. Right. That's why we never condition the dog with behaviors they don't know because you're taking two things. You're asking them to do something they don't know and you're using a piece of equipment they don't know, which is going to be stressful unless we're into uh, what I what I call intervention mode, which is not what we're talking about. So right. Dora sit, tap, 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 her butt hits the ground, boom, it shuts off. It's what we call nerdy words is negative reinforcement. So we're taking the, the stimulation away as soon as the dog complies which is great. Mm -hmm. It's a great concept. It works really well. It's just like tapping somebody on the shoulder and they turn around. Or it would be getting into the car and the, the seatbelt goes ding, 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 and you put your seatbelt on. Okay, good. You've complied. Not, that's all it is. So when you're asking a dog to do something, it's going to be Dora sit, tap, tap. She sits, boom, it shuts off. Okay. Now you're going to be doing this for about a week with all of the basic stuff. Now here's the mistake people make. Two big mistakes. First mistake is is they think that the dog needs to physically show you that it's working. Because it, it, people don't understand that um, there's a huge significant difference between the e-collar and modern remote collar training and a shock collar. A shock mm -hmm. collar historically, again, going back 10, 20 years, is levels ouch, ouch, and oucher. Typically right. eight to 10 levels and it sucks on all levels. And that's something that, you know, if some people want to do that, that's fine. It's not the way I do it because I just don't think it's sustainable and, and it's stressful. So the way that we do it is, is we're conditioning the remote collar in. So it's modern remote collar training, which is completely different. So a lot of people think that they're using it if the dog doesn't listen for that reason. No, 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 don't do that. Don't even think of that. That's not what we're doing. The level that you're using, say you're on a five which is a great level to start for her. Okay. That was going to be my next question. What level do you think I should start with her? Yep. I go level five. Okay. And what you're looking for is you're just, you're, she's going to feel it on a five. What you don't want is you don't want her to physically react to it. And at a five, that collar has 127 levels. Humans mm -hmm. don't feel it on their skin until about 11. Humans don't feel it on their face until about an eight. So at a five for her, it's very, very low. So she's going to feel that stimulation. And what you don't want is you don't want her looking around and trying to figure out what it is. You want to go right below her getting a little, un not uncomfortable, but you want to go right below her being suspicious of, hey, what's that? Kind of like a fly. So if she like shakes her head or like scratches at it, does, is that going to mean that I've got it too high and I need to turn it down to a four? Or is that a normal reaction? Well, it's a normal reaction. But typically if they're showing the physical Hey, what's this? You want to go right below that, right okay. below that. Yep. And and so when you're conditioning, it should be very conditioning. The remote collar should be one of the most positive experiences your dogs have because it's fun for them. They're learning. They're getting paid. This is exciting. Um, they love working with people. So that's what you're going to be doing is you're going to be using the continuous nick 
for behaviors the dog knows. So you ask her to sit, you hold it till she goes. You ask her to come, you're holding it until she gets fully back to you. So um, one question that we get often is, is do you let go of the button when they start coming and they commit, or do you let go and they get to you? And it's really discretionary on you and your dog because there's some dogs, which I don't think this is your dog, but some dogs rip around and they come zipping to you when you say come and they're right there every time. Other dogs, like bigger breeds like Dora, historically mm-hmm. will turn around and say, okay, I'm coming. And then you let the button off and then they kind of slow down and veer off. So you're going to let her out on a 15 to 20 foot long line. You're going to okay. say, Dora, come. You're going to hold the continuous nick. Pop. She turns. She starts to come to you. You're rewarding her as you back up. Good girl. Good come. Don't stay. Don't do this. Don't go. Door come and just stand there because she's gonna be. Like, I'm not coming right. to that. That's terrible. You you right. you kneel. Not kneel down, but you put your shoulders down. And you start backing up and backpedaling. You say, Good come. Good come. She gets you and the pressure shuts off. Now, if she does really well with that and she's responsive to that, you can turn off the pressure as soon as she commits and starts coming towards you. But that's discretionary on your end. Okay. So you're going to do that for a while. And, and, and all you're trying to do is you're trying to just teach her that that remote collar is you and it's, it's associated and connected with you. You control the levels, you control the stimulation, you control the volume and how much pressure is involved now. Okay. What's the point? Cause that's, we get this question all the time. Well, my dog comes back anyway. What's the point? Well, okay. What if your dog doesn't come back and they're about to die? Then what are you going right. to do? Right. You know, so that's, that's what, that's, that's where that comes in is you're starting off on a five, right? Has 127 levels. You do this for about a week, Dora come, Dora sit. And the other great thing is Dora place, sending her to a place command. So sending her to a location using negative reinforcement as well as recalling her. So sending her away and calling her back are two great ways to start this process. And once you're doing this for about a week, then what ends up happening is, is you you can set your boost. So let's say, let's say she's on a five. She's conditioning on a five. She's doing well on a five. Well, you can set your boost. A boost essentially is pushing the button and it immediately jumps numbers to what you customize the setting to. Okay. Okay. You set the boost to plus 10. So we're at a five. We hit boost 15 automatically. Boom. Now, the reason why we do that is for safety. That's your oh shit button. That's you're Mm -hmm. out in a trail. And, and, and you've seen the YouTube videos and, and all the different things of like, oh, all of a sudden, boom, mountain lion, boom, grizzly bear, boom, whatever. Right. Or just or let's choose something a little bit more simple. She chases a bunny across the road, whatever. So right. you say door come. She feels the five. But again, we're talking right now very calmly. Our conditioning level is here. Now imagine mm-hmm. if there was a rock concert going on in the same room I'm in. I'm going to have to yell really loud so you can right. hear me. So my levels will change because you have to hear me. And dogs are no difference. They have cortisol. They have adrenaline. They have all of this going into them to say, I'm going to go chase this because I'm a Corso. And just like a dog, it's a dog thing more than anything. Right. Right. So then you say, Dora, come. She's like, she probably won't even feel that. Right. That's an involuntary ignoring thing of like, yeah, I don't feel that. Just like you wouldn't hear me if I was talking just like this and Metallica was playing in here. You wouldn't hear me. Right. So then you would immediately hit your boost and it's going to go up to 15 and she's going to go, whoa, that's more pressure. She's going to, now here's the kicker. If she doesn't know recall, it's not going to help. Typically. She's just going to keep going because she doesn't know what that was. She, no, I stepped on something. She doesn't know. 
So you have to make sure she understands that pressure. She understands that that's you. She understands that you turn that on and off and you make it go up and you make it go down. That's why you condition for a minimum of a week before you actually use it. A lot of people make the mistake of getting an e-collar, slapping it on a dog, and not doing the conditioning phases. And then once the dog doesn't listen, they turn it up, and then the dog goes, whoa, and they start to freak out. They're like, what the hell? What do I do? What is this? And that's where people make the mistake. You have to teach them first. Okay. Yeah, my my biggest concern um, with the e-collar because of her breed is the possibility of utilizing it wrong um, and then turning her uh, aggressive to, mm-hmm. to a, a certain, certain degree. So yeah. um, I, that's my biggest thing. I want to make sure that I'm, I'm getting your advice, utilizing that advice and, and doing it right. Because I, I have a feeling that with her breed, it could change quickly mm-hmm. if not utilized properly. Yeah. I think anything has a opportunity to to make things worse if not utilized okay. properly absolutely and it's, it's a great concern yep. um totally get it that's why i'm making a course on it and um i get it yeah and you're right <clears throat> but okay. I, but again it goes with everything and for the first week just do do it work with her inside yes exactly so you don't want to say hey so what's the goal well the goal is is to be outside off leash and for her to recall so don't go out to the goal and say, let's tr- let's try it out. No, no, no. Mm-hmm. Practice, practice, practice. You got to make sure you practice. So so at least a minimum of uh, inside or non-distracted environment, garage, um, basement, inside, doing all of mm-hmm. that. So come. Re- so, so what you want to do is like four recalls within a half an hour. She comes to you every time. She gets it. She understands. She understands the pressure. That's great. And then what you want to do is you transition outside with a long line. Okay. Same thing. Don't go out into the yard where there's deer yet. Don't go out there where the rabbit poop is. Go out into the driveway. Dora, come. She mm-hmm. comes. Yes, good come. Bang, you pay her. Break. Send yeah, her okay. out. Give her a break. Get that long line out. Get out your phone. Do an email. Check Instagram. Whatever you want to do. Dora, come. Yes, good come. Break. You break her out. You're just going to, you're practicing and practicing and practicing. She's responsive to that remote collar pressure. Then one great okay. one great test that you can do, which I find the it's like the most realistic test that you can do, especially with a food motivated dog. Get out something she really likes: chicken, steak, cheese, whatever, or mm-hmm. her, or, or a squeaker toy. And what you're going to do is you're going to have somebody help you with this. <clears throat> so you're going to have um, significant other, kids, family, whatever, go to the other right. side. They're and they're going to do the same thing. So you're you're going to basically ping pong back and forth, bing bing, and you're going to start doing recalls with another individual. So she's got to learn that Dora come that voice means you got to get back to that person. So then you'll start you'll start going back and forth. So say, Hey, call her. She comes and and you can use that e-caller. So if I'm out there calling Dora, you use it for me. Okay. You understand? Yeah. Yeah. Here's, here's a great way to, to start practicing for reality. Get that cheese out, that chicken, that steak, hold it in your hand and kind of cup it. And she's licking it and she's chewing on it and she's slobbering all over. And she's like, yeah, this is great. Now have that person recall her off the cheese, right? That's your test. So that's, yeah, what, okay. that's what we do in our facility often because that's, that. I don't want to say that that's just the same as a rabbit, but it's, 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 it's another jump, right? Moving forward. You have a distraction that she's really into and you can get creative just to know what that is. Get a squeaker toy out, whatever, whatever it is. Mm-hmm. 
and and then you have somebody recall off of that. That's where you're going to find what levels are going to be good for a distraction. Because if she okay. just recalled 15 times in a half an hour or an hour beautifully, and then you get a, a, a clump of cheese in your hand and she's licking it and you're holding it and you're cupping it and she's working at it. And that's what you want to do is basically withhold it so she's working at it. And then you tell the other person, okay, call her, come. You hold it down and she doesn't respond. That's where you're going to say, okay, let's start riding up the levels just a little bit to see what she's going to respond to. So you might, so you may not go to your boost just yet because that might be too much off of cheese. But what you want to mm-hmm. do, hold the continuous down and level up. You'll take your dial and it'll go one, two, three, four, five. And you, and you will, I've done this in my videos before. You will see her respond. She will, and this is the most beautiful evidence that anybody needs to see with doing remote collar training. You're going to go up in the levels. She's not going to care. And then all of a sudden you're going to get her attention. She's like, Oh, okay. I'm coming back. And it's fun. It's interactive. It's good. It's, it's good to impact your obedience. But that's the reality is, is you're holding a, a thing, of chicken, which of course a dog loves. And somebody across the way, 10 feet away is saying, come. And she's like, Nope. Well, that tells you if she's not going to recall off of human food, which is a luxury, there's no way in hell she's going to recall off of a squirrel or a chipmunk or something more primal where she's like chasing and, and all of her adrenaline and everything is cooking inside of her to really get this animal or, or defend her, her castle that you all live in. There's no way in right. hell. If you can't get her to recall off a of cheese or chicken, she's not going to come back if she's chasing something and her heart is pounding out of her chest to, to, to kill this thing or whatever. No right. way. No way. So okay. that's where you can start really flexing your numbers to see where your dog's going to respond. Okay. Okay. Perfect. And then you'll, um, then you'll and- know. Then you'll know. You'll say, okay, okay, eight. So you say, okay, eight. So we went five to eight. She goes, oop. And it, it, it's the perfect test. Okay. Okay. Perfect. Um, and then when, when doing that, having someone else uh, try and call her, I've got something that she likes, her little favorite squeaky ball or, or whatever. Mm-hmm. Um, never let anyone else utilize the remote. Is that a fair well, statement? Yeah, it's fair. It's, it's as fair as never let your kids drive your car if they don't know what they're doing. I mean, it's, yeah. it's, it's, it can okay. be detrimental. So absolutely. The, the e-collar training is, is life-changing. Uh, and it's, it's something that millions of people take advantage of and dogs get more freedom than ever before, but it is powerful and you have to make sure that you're responsible with who's handling that remote. And because again, if you were to give it to your significant other, they're going to think it's the total opposite of what we're, Oh, it's a shot caller. She's not listening. Where where do, how do I turn it up? Mm, Don't do Mm -hmm. that. Don't do that. You just, you don't want to take advantage and, and be irresponsible. Just like our, our, our vehicles have 120 on the dash does not mean we go 120 everywhere. Right. So you're going to have to educate. Like I said before, I am filming a uh, e-collar video and it's going to be for yeah. purchase. It's going to go over every single thing that you can go back to and look at and um, give you reference on how to fit the e-collar, where it should be, all that stuff. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. That'll be great. Um, okay. So another thing we deal with, um, some, for lack of a better terminology, because I guess I don't really know what to call it, um, a resource guarding kind of issue with particular things. And so a couple months ago, um, we ran into um, an issue. She likes beef cheeks. She likes bully sticks. Sure. Again, I've got a I've got a ten year old English Mastiff. 
So she's obviously much older than Dora is. Mm-hmm. Um, and had not had any problems of giving them these, I guess, high value items together um, until a couple months ago. And they both had their own beef cheek. Um, and Dora attacked Zoe and, and ended up ripping the inside of her ear. Nothing major. We didn't have to go get stitches. We didn't have to take a trip to the vet, but mm-hmm. it was, it was kind of, it was pretty scary for me. Sure. Um, and so I've been separating them. They still both get their, you know, treaty snacks and their beef cheeks and their bully sticks, but I do it separate. Mm-hmm. Um, because I don't, I didn't want that to happen again. Um, uh, last week, and this is the video that I sent you, I had closed Zoe out of the kitchen. Where did you send it? Um, I sent it to the, I feel like I got an email back from Taylor where they had said that they would get that to you. So we went into the kitchen. I went to get her a bully stick. I closed Zoe out. So Zoe is on the opposite side of the gate that, that you can see. And she's just sitting there. Mm -hmm. Um, and so I get the bully stick, I give it to Dora. She freaking locks on to Zoe on the other side of the gate. And she literally attacks the gate. Had the gate not been there, she would have gotten a hold of Zoe. And so she went at her. Then she went at her. I, I yelled at her, you know, Dora, no, leave it. And, and so, and you'll see in the video, she comes over, she lays down, um, I take the bully stick away from her. Yep. I find her leash because now I'm going to take her to her kennel because I feel that's that's not how we behave. I need to Correct. put you away. Um, and so I have to put her on her leash because she's now still locked focused on Zoe. And I did not feel comfortable taking her past Zoe without her being on her leash and me being yep. able to have control of her. Totally. And so I went, I put her in her kennel. And yep. she stayed there probably for about 30 minutes or so. I let her back out and they were fine. Yep. And we haven't had an episode since then. Yeah. So it's, it, that's just, yeah. Resource guardian at its finest, especially with an intact uh, dog. I mean, you're starting, she's starting to become an adult dog. So, so when you're dealing with an intact animal, it doesn't matter if it's male or female, they're going to have more protective issues. It's nothing personal. Dog owners get very, it's traumatic. It, it's traumatic. It's like, holy crap, you just attacked your sister. No, she didn't. I mean, to you, she did. But what she said is this is people don't understand how dogs communicate. Dogs are brutal. Mm -hmm. Dogs are savages. I've seen dogs kill other dogs and walk away wagging their tail like nothing happened. They don't care. Right. Right. They're animals. They're 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 savages. Right. So what what's happening here in this video is, is if you replay it, um, she has the, the 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 bone out in the kitchen area here. And mm-hmm. um, the other dog is on the other side of the gate. And if we play it, she has her bone. You're getting one, I would assume, for the other dog. So Correct. the other dog comes up to the to the gate to say, hey, what's going on in there? And then what Dora does, she puts her bone down. She looks at the gate. And as she she's basically, when she does this barking and she does this lunge, this is, this is something very historical for dogs who are basically saying, get away from me. She's pouncing up and down on her front legs. Rawr, 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 get out of here. 
Um, and she's basically just saying, get out of here. This is my bully stick. And as soon as you reprimand her, you, you, you yell at her. She cowers down. She puts her ears behind her back. She knows she made a mistake. But these are very mm-hmm. natural things that happen. for They don't know it's wrong until you tell them it's wrong. But even if you okay. do tell them it's wrong, we talked about instinct. We talked about um, dogs just doing things because um, it, it's, it's involuntary to them. They said, this is my bully stick. So yes, it's your sister. Or yes, it's your other dog. Or yes, it's a dog mm-hmm. that your dog loves. Right. It, but, but right. animals aren't like us. Like if somebody punches you in your face, you're going to have a different relationship for the rest of their life with dogs. Right. It's not like that. I mean, they, they get into fights all the time and it's, it, or they can anyway. And it's not as, right. it, it's not as personal. It's just, this is my bone. So my recommendation again, every, none of this surprises me at all. Okay. Intact nine and a half month old Kane Corso starting to become protective over a high reward. Mm-hmm. Sky's blue makes sense. So if you're right. if you're gonna so two things you have two options, um, kind of three. First option is is you don't give them any of these high reward stuff anymore because it'll never happen again. Second is is if you are gonna give them any type of beef cheek or bully stick or whatever that she is out in the other room or in outside in a different piece of property so she doesn't have this tension between the other dog as this is happening because it's not fair to your other dog either. She smells right. that she smells the bully stick. She's like, Oh, cool. We're going to get a bully stick. And then Dora comes over and tries to rip her ear off. Right. Well, yeah. What, what the hell? So you completely separate him during high value stuff or, um, yeah, which I thought I was doing with the gate, but I obviously need it. So Dora just can't see her at all. Yeah. Well, yeah. Cause gates don't obviously, yeah. I mean, they don't, it doesn't, they don't care that there's a okay. gate there. They're just like, well, now I can't get to you, which is kind of annoying, but I'll try to reach over the gate and smack you in the face. And that's what she did. Mm-hmm. So mm-hmm. it makes total sense. So I, I don't even, because you're still going to create tension and you don't want to do that. And again, yeah. it, it kind of goes against the, it's, it's totally realistic for these things to happen. And it's totally understandable why these things are happening. Okay. Uh, and then third option, you said three. Yeah, well, the third option <laughs> is to just kind of help through this process of correcting her if she does start to get weird. Having her on the leash, putting, you know, giving the dogs the bones. And wh- here's what I would do. It, this might help. What I would do, okay. because I, especially having a Corso, these dogs are powerful. Sometimes they're bigger than us and they're very powerful. And you have to, you have to, if you're around, you have to, call the shots because these things will happen. And Mm -hmm. so what I would do is put door on a leash. I would get the other dog against the, the crate or the door over there. And I would start hand feeding them a little over here, a little over here, a little over here, Mm -hmm. a little over here. And if Dora side eyes, the other dog at any point in time, boom, correction. And all you have to do is you can just use the, the flat leash that you were on. She's pretty responsive. I mean, even if you, you yelled at her and she's like, Oh crap, she hit the deck. Which just right. t- tells you how instinctual the, the the little altercation was. She had no idea that that was a wrong thing to do. She thought, this is my bully stick, not yours. Get the hell out of here. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and those are the only thing. Like, they eat in the they eat in the kitchen area together. Um, they drink out of the same water bowl at the same time. Mm-hmm. I hand feed them kind of high value, like salmon skin treats mm-hmm. and uh, things along those lines together. And there's never any issue. It is specifically with either a bully stick or a beef cheek. It's, it's yep. got to have a higher value to Dora. I'm guessing yep. um, because that is the only time that she reacts that way, but normal feeding, normal treats. Um, 
anything like I I've I knock on wood, I have not had that kind of reaction or that problem with her. Yeah. So my advice, what I would do is what's the point? What, yeah. what, what, what the hell is the point? Well, I'm going to give these dogs these bully sticks that they're going to love, but they also might kill each other. And in, in the is it worth right. it? You know, it's not worth no. it to me. So yeah. if, if, if you're, especially with behavior stuff, right? Anytime there's behavior, there's issues, there's, there's things that are going on. If you can just eliminate the trigger, do it. Yeah. Okay. Easy. Done. Yeah. Yeah, and we had I, my we had gone so long without having an issue because there was two months ago the ear thing, and I didn't stop giving them. Tra- I just I just separated them out like with mm-hmm. the gate thing, mm-hmm. and then and then so now we had this reaction. I don't know if so she's just coming off her first heat cycle. Yeah, sure. She's been off her heat cycle for about a week. Yep. Um, and during the heat cycle, things were interesting in this house, <laughs> mm-hmm. but, but, uh, we made it through, we didn't have any, you know, issues, incidences, anything along those lines. And so I'm wondering hormone level wise, if that mm-hmm. is, is part of it. And it sounds like it very well, maybe a hundred percent, hundred percent. Like I said, every single day that I do what I do, we get a call from somebody with a behavioral problem and their dog between eight months and 14 months and they're intact all of a sudden out of nowhere. These mm-hmm. things are happening, and and, and I right. get it, right? I understand it, it. It seems out of out of nowhere, and all of a sudden, it's not. Like right. you said, hormonal changes, dogs going into heat, males becoming adults, things change quick. So yeah, the, the mm-hmm. cute little dog that you once had is now an adult, and if you choose to keep them intact for other benefits, which is fine, that's mm-hmm. that's on you. There's going to be some changes. I mean, your dog's going to start to mature and not want to hang around and, and be cute all day. They're going to want to work. They're going to want to do something. They're going to stick up for right. themselves. They're going to be mouthy. So it just happens. Yeah. Okay. Okay. Um, did that. I have looking at my little notes here. Um, in the little bit of time that we have left, I've had her, um, the trainer that I take her to, mm-hmm. Um, indicate that, you know, all of her, you know, behaviors is some kind of weird fear stage that she goes through. Does that sound, um, because there are some things like we got a new vehicle Mm -hmm. and she refuses to get in it. Um, and, but she gets into the other vehicle just fine. And so it's, it's like, and she cowers and she tries to run away from it. Like it's this big, scary thing that she's just terrified of. Um, and so working with her, the only way that I can get her to get in the new vehicle is if I get in the back first Mm -hmm. and then she'll jump in, but she shakes like she's just terrified. Um, any assistance or guidance to help deal with that? It's like she is, it's, it literally is like she is afraid. Yeah, and it could be. It could be, and and yeah. So it's it's hard to say. It's like it's like the question of dogs not liking thunder. It's a, I don't know if they're going right. to grow out of it or not. So it's it's really hard to say. I'm not sure. Yeah. Um, okay. But dogs definitely go through a fear stage. But the things that we talked about, there's no none of that is is valid. So none of that. Okay. Yeah. Okay. Because the the tra- the training place that I take her to, there they had had tried to indicate that that's why she growls at things that she doesn't 
uh, recognize or a new person. And, you know, they want me to get it. So, you know, well, you know, uh, strangers need to be able to pet her. I don't want a stranger to pet my dog. <laughs> no. And she doesn't want, she doesn't want strangers to pet your dogs. And, 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 you know, I, like I said, I work with dog owners every day from all over the world. Right. And there's a lot of context that isn't sometimes disclosed, whether it's on purpose or not. And so I can't ever say like, Oh, that dog trainer is this, that, the other thing. The reality is, is if, if what you're saying is true, you have to be very cautious about moving forward with that particular trainer because if, okay. you're, if you're getting a Connie Corso and they're starting to become a Connie Corso and being protective and reactive and suspicious about people mm-hmm. they don't know and your trainer is saying well our goal is to get strangers to come up and pet your dog in the head that's a gigantic gigantic red flag because that's something okay. that should not be anybody's wheelhouse because the dog is not going to like that and as far as the fear stages go um at the vet offices and the things that you said there's no fear about her going after your other dog and trying to rip her ear off that doesn't how, how scared does your dog seem there not scared to right. me right and then right. going to the vet and getting poked by a vet tech who is terrified of your dog with a needle and growling mm-hmm. ha- to me has no indication of fear whatsoever that is just i do not like this and I'm doing the okay. best I can to keep my composure without attacking you or biting you mm-hmm. or snapping at you. All I'm going to do is I'm going to let you know about it and that's it. The, again, as a professional from what you've told right. me in the context that you've told me in, none of right. that to any degree, I don't see how any professional could ever point at well, your dog's going through a fear stage. Okay. None of it. Okay. Yeah. I had talked to her breeder um, because the, her breeder is only like 45 minutes away. So mm-hmm. the, the breeder that we got her from is close. Um, and she said something extremely similar to what you said. That does not, that's the dog being the dog. And, yeah. um, uh, but where we are at, we're in a, we're in very rural Montana. So my mm-hmm. dog training, play, we drive, uh, an hour and a half one way to get to the place where I've, I've been taking her. Yeah. Um, that's kind of how rural Montana we are. And, and so I, I, I want to be able to socialize her. Um, but I also don't want to get advice that isn't valid. (laughs) Totally get it. I just, I just went to Montana, went to Montana recently for that exact thing for the same exact dog. Somebody had a borable mastiff type dog and, um, same thing. They I were, saw that. I saw that video. He was a big boy. Big boy. He was big. Yeah, boy. you were. You were in like Libby, Libby, Montana. Yep. That's right. Yeah. So yeah, we're even more remote than that. Jeez, <laughs> I can't imagine. I had a hard time getting a, getting dinner there. You know, p- places closed so early. My my only yeah. option was McDonald's and Pizza Hut. I think. Yeah. <laughs> can't imagine. Yeah. Well, at least they have restaurants there. So. <laughs> <laughs> Whereabouts are you then? Uh, we're in a little town called Deborgia. It's a population of about 89 people. Wow. Is that, uh, is that closer it's, to Canada or? Um, no, we're actually, um, we're on the border of Idaho and, um, mm. Montana. Got it. Um, and so we're kind of by a lookout pass. It's a ski resort. Yeah. Um, uh, pretty popular Idaho, Montana ski resort. Um, but it's just, it's just really, it's just re- really rural. Like the yeah. closest, biggest place where you can go like grocery shopping is all the way to Missoula, which is an hour and a half. It's an hour and a half drive for me to pretty much get anywhere. Wow. Yeah. Well, I, like I said, I, I dealt with that before. And, and, and I guess yeah. my point by saying this is, is thank God we have these types of uh, services where I can tell you. And again, yeah. I, 
and I'm careful about what I say because something some people sure. can take my stuff out of context too. They, they oh well, Tom said that no, I actually didn't of say that. So I'm giving them the benefit of the doubt. But just understand that every you're 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 not living in Bozeman or you're not living in in California. You're you're in a smaller city that um you don't you got what you got, and so yeah, there is gonna there is a likelihood that maybe they aren't um. Correct, I guess. And, um, and so I think, you know, having resources like this and and being able to get some more information is huge, obviously giving you a lot of things. Um, and then just watching my videos and going over the content, uh, completely for free is a help, but yeah, I don't, none of that sounds fearful to me from what you've said. So, yeah. Okay. Perfect. Perfect. Okay. Well, we will, uh, we will start with the e-caller. Um, and then probably what I'll do is, is in a couple weeks, uh, schedule, a, another, um, time with you. Okay. Um, as I go through the e-caller training and start and, um, run into, you know, issues, questions, okay. uh, concerns, anything along those lines. Um, you know, maybe we can do another call here in a couple weeks after I've, sure. um, gone through that a, a little bit and, um, to make sure I'm comfortable with it. And, um, okay. what would be your, um, your estimated, and I know that I'm sure it probably varies with, with different dogs, mm-hmm. but how do I, how do I define improvement or success as it comes uh, to the, to the e-caller. What is, I think I it's, mean, outside of what we talked yep. about already and somebody else being able to call her off, that's yep. practice. Okay. Yeah. I think just, just getting out there and practicing, I think a successful, um, indicator for you or an indicator in general of success is just, she did it. Finally, she recalled off the car, right. she recalled off, recalled off the deer or whatever else is out there. Uh, okay. and I think that that would be your thing, but just spend about a week on that long line just in case to reinforce things and, um, okay. practice and practice and practice, get her out there and call her, get her out there and call her, get her out there and call her. You want to do about four recalls per set, um, spread out. You don't want to do it over and over again. That's not realistic. You want to do right. three to four recalls, give it a break, give it a rest and maybe a little bit later, do it again and just do it as often as you can and, okay. um, practice, practice, practice. And what you're going to find is, Again, you might want to set your boost to a 10. So if you're on a five, you'll go to 15. And if you feel like that's not enough, then you'll go up again. And if you're conditioning low enough, I mean, it has 127 levels, you'll be able to turn right. her around, but she's got to know where it's coming from. So practice is the best okay. thing. And, and to answer your question, you're going to go out, you're going to see that wildlife because living in Montana, you're going to see it. It's going to be soon. And once you recall her off it successfully and she makes a decision against what she wants to do in her free will, then you're going to know, okay, we're in. And that's, that's when you know, and then you put it on her in the morning, you keep your e-collar on you or next to the door or whatever. Right. And it's something like a seatbelt you're just going to be living with because it's better safe than sorry. And there's no reason not to make sure you have the ultimate control with a dog that's surrounded by animals that could kill her. Right. Right. Okay. And for her age, last question. Um, what is, what do you think is like an appropriate training like time? Like, do I do it 10 minutes, three times a day, 15 minutes, a cup, you know, because I've seen in some of your videos where you're like, yeah, okay, they're done. They're, they're, they're exhausted. They've had enough of this. Mm -hmm. And, and so we break. Mm -hmm. And so how, how many times a day do I Mm -hmm. do a training session with her 
inside the house while we're trying to get used to everything for this first week mm-hmm. um, and, and how long and, and, and how many times a day. I work from home and so I'm here. And so it's not it's not like I leave and go to a nine to five job. I'm, mm-hmm. I'm here and can break away literally almost anytime I want to. Yeah. So just um, like when we do our board and trains, it's, it's 10, 15 minutes and then break 10, 15 minutes and break. You're just getting them out. You're working on uh, you're working on conditioning. You're working on the things that you want to work on and then you're breaking them. You're not waiting for them to get exhausted. You're not waiting for them to check out. You're not waiting for them to make huge mistakes. You're just saying, Hey, con- conditioning, right? You're just, Hey, do you get it? Do you get it? Break. Do you get it? Do you get it? Break. Do you get it? Do you get it? Okay. Break. And that's it. So 10, 15 minutes. Okay. How many times a day do you think within like a normal, like eight hour work day? Or... Um, you could do as much as you want, as long as you're keeping okay. them short. Yeah. Okay. Perfect. Cool. So e-collar on, put it on or leave it on her. Yeah. Yeah. Absolutely. And then, and then start training here in like maybe tomorrow or the next day. Yeah. Put the e-collar on her. Don't, don't even turn it on or anything. Just put it on or get her used to it and then start using it. Okay. Perfect. All right. It was nice to talk to you. Good luck. All right, sir. I appreciate your time. Thank you very much. You're welcome. Bye-bye. All right. Bye-bye. All right. We're going to stop this and then get right into the next one. So. Oh, come on. All right, you guys, we have reached the end of the podcast. Thank you so much for listening. I hope you liked it. This comes from Farming. It's hard not to binge these. First off, thank you, Tom. These in-depth podcasts after watching your videos is an absolute um, change in my relationship with my mal and has changed significantly. It's been even better than before by a long shot. That's great feedback. I have a question about the e-collar and recall. My husband and I live up against a ski trial or trail. I think this is trail. Um, which can get quite busy sometimes. Rue has nailed her recall with the e-collar indoors and in the garage, even with distractions starting with car, working in the garage, etc. But with the busy trails, how do I effectively train her on the e-collar? I'm working with distractions. Well, hopefully farming, this podcast actually went over that. Um, So I'm going to just say everything that we talked about in this podcast will help you with this. So great question. And I know that this podcast, we covered exactly that. So wonderful. All right, we have another one, five-star review, best human and dog trainer out there from Emski underscore J. Thank you so much for the kind words. I appreciate it. That stuff never gets old uh, to hear, so thank you. Tom, I wanted to start off by saying that all of your content has been so helpful for my pup and I. It's given me the confidence to start using the e-collar, and it's made training exciting for me and us. So my great Dane pup and I have been making great progress with the e-collar mini educator, but I'm not sure if the fit is wrong or the contact points are wrong, even if my levels are too high, because I usually see, I usually use a six as a working level and she always stops and itches and itches until the stem stops. It makes me super frustrated because she doesn't come until she stops itching. But what if I was recalling her off of something, then what do I do? I've often wondered if the collar is too tight and then she has a loose then, then it's too loose and then it might not work. Um, also for reference, I usually tap, 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 tap button for recall. Only time I hold it down. So my, 
my answer to you is, is go down a little bit. And we talked about, again, it's kind of weird how these things happen, but in this podcast, we talked exactly about that, how to find those levels and how to make sure that you're using the proper levels. And if your dog is physically, especially when you're conditioning, for those of you who just listened to this podcast, you now know what conditioning is and the difference between a conditioning level and a correction level. If you're finding your dog to have that much uh, maybe adverse effects from using the stimulation, you're probably a little too high for conditioning. So I would just go down a little bit. I also oftentimes find dogs to do this because they're trying to just stop the stimulation. It doesn't hurt them. It doesn't affect them. It doesn't stress them. They're just like, hey, I want this to stop. So making sure you have a long line on to reinforce the stimulation as well. So physically using that momentum to kind of pull the dog towards you and teaching the dog that, hey, if you just step forward and stop itching, the thing that you want off turns off. So you might use a little bit of leash pressure to help the dog understand that as well. It's a great question. Thank you for the review. Next is GKR8, easy to follow and insightful. Love the podcast. It's great to hear real-world advice and also the interview and topical podcasts like the raw food one. My pup will be doing a board and train at Upstate K9 in a week. That's great. Your pup's probably with us now then. Now the question is, is which bones do you recommend for a 45-pound dog? I have, to, I have a butcher nearby. I would get the femur bones. That's what I like to get, the raw femur bones. Um, they are great for um, chewing in their soft, we call them soft bones. That's what we get is we get the femur bones. We cut them up to about a little bit bigger than a softball and they can break those down safely and they're not too hard on the teeth. So that's what I really, really like um, for that. Awesome. So next week we're going to get into Tan, Ca- Tan Casa and Live 99 and Jeff Frederick and then maybe Christina. So we have a lot of different things uh, going on for next week. Uh, Make sure you guys subscribe, like all the good stuff that you can do here on the podcast. And I appreciate you guys listening. And I will talk to you next week. Bye. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Save big on Brunch for Mom, all in the Kroger app. Get half gallons of delicious Kroger milk for $1.29 each. Then get flavorful Tyson Natural Boneless Chicken Breasts for two forty nine dollars a pound, all with your card and a digital coupon. Shop these deals at your local Kroger, less than five miles away. Or tap the screen now to download the Kroger app to save big today. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Prices and product availability subject to change. Restrictions apply. See site for details.